Welcome to episode 48 of the Canadian Pepper Podcast, recorded December 29th, 2019. My name is Ian, and I live on Vancouver Island. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sport shooter, reloader, and my farm's designated handyman. My name is Tyler, and I'm broadcasting from my five-acre homestead here in northwestern Wisconsin, USA. Since purchasing my first house, I have been working to turn my property into a self-sufficient homestead with an emphasis on preparedness. Hi there, I'm uh, Colin. I'm from Pembroke, Ontario. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, a sport shooter, hunter, reloader, welder, and a veteran with 21 plus years served in the Army. And I also teach and coach uh, new shooters at the range. All right. So if you want to help support the show, keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air, you can buy a Canadian Prepper Podcast t shirt at rapidsurvival.com. All proceeds, all proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com slash Canadian Prepper Podcast. Also submit a review on iTunes. Um, we want your feedback, good or bad. Or if there's a topic you want us to cover, uh, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right. Well, I couldn't come up with a good dad joke this week, so I'm just going to say we have some mental content for you this episode. We're going to start off with some preparedness-related news articles. Next, we'll let you know how we've uh, improved our preparedness since our last episode. Then we'll get into the main topic for this episode, which is mental attitudes in preparedness. Mm-hmm. All right, so news. Uh, Alan wanted to mention the shooting that happened in Texas this morning at the church. Did you guys hear about that one? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So good guy with a gun stopped a bad guy with a gun. That's what the video shows. That's for sure. Yep. <clears throat> Just, uh, yeah, good reminder to anybody in the States. If you don't have your concealed carry, get it. And if you do have your concealed carry carry everywhere, uh, including the places you least expect to need it. <clears throat> well, sounds like a happy ending story nonetheless, but I mean, uh, yeah, well, there's other concealed carriers, but I guess they showed up a little later into the party, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it definitely prevented a, a problem from becoming a much bigger problem. I mean, there's still two people shot, but it could have been a lot worse, right? Yep, better than the, I think it was 26 that were killed uh, in a church in Texas last year. <clears throat> I was reading that one of the articles. Yeah. Uh, as for myself, I had uh, just a quick news article from the uh, Vancouver Sun regarding some Vancouver Island earthquakes. So in my neck of the woods, we had uh, nine quakes hit the island in three days. Uh, started off with just a couple ones off the coast, and then they just kind of rattled into a series of them. Funnily enough, I didn't hear it; uh, didn't feel a single one. So um, I was gone by Christmas Eve, I guess, off the island. But uh, the first four or five didn't feel a thing. But uh, I had to find out from the news that they actually happened. But Good reminder that things could always be worse and uh, they kind of pop up when you least expect it, especially on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I had a new, oh, I go ahead. Do you want to cover Eric say, a little bit? Yeah. So actually, I was going to ask you, Colin. So there's an ice storm uh, warning for Ontario tonight on the CBC there regarding a bunch of uh, freezing rain stuff coming. Do you guys get anything there? Yeah. Actually, I was just uh, out in Petawawa and um, picking up my daughter and coming home. And the freezing rain had started. Well, it started off as snow, then turned to hail, then turned to rain. So we'll see how this all evolves. Apparently, Ottawa is supposed to get the bulk of it. Um, so we'll see where it goes here. Anything's possible. Yeah, I'm guessing that's the same same storm that hit us. I'm assuming it's tracking northwest. But uh, we got pretty nasty ice storm uh, just yesterday. And uh, even last night into today, it's been kind of raining and it's unusually warm here in Wisconsin. It's uh, highs in the low 40s, and that's very abnormal. Um, 
So as temperatures drop uh, tonight into tomorrow, it's supposed to all freeze and it's going to be just a mess. We're supposed to get snow tonight too. And um, so, yeah, a lot of people's travel plans around the holidays here are definitely going to be impacted. So another reason to have all your vehicle preps and everything in order. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we had a big one back in Ontario. Geez, Colin, that must have been, what, 20 years ago almost? Yeah, the big uh, ice storm. I think it was in, geez, I can't even remember what year it was, but yeah. I was, and then, uh, uh, did you participate yeah, was, in that with the military? I know I did. No, luckily I was, uh, uh, living out West actually in the, in the Arctic at the time when that happened. So I didn't, uh, didn't have to deal with that at all. Just had to deal with my cold weather, but, um, yeah, no, I was, I mean, there was a big power edge back then, but yeah, they're talking about having to expect more power edges tonight and, you know, uh, lines down for a couple of days. So. Yeah. I've been, uh, recharging all my batteries and flashlights and radios and stuff like that getting ready. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Tyler, you had some stuff too? Yeah. Yep. So uh, my news article, uh, Canada isn't the only one fighting for gun ownership rights. Um, if you guys might've already heard the uh, Virginia kind of the gun battle going on. So there was a November 5th election and uh, Virginia got a new democratic governor, uh, Ralph Northam. And uh, he introduced, um, well, he actually declared immediate gun control measures would be enacted when lawmakers begin their new session in january and uh they cited eight uh, was it eight gun, gun control measures um starting with requiring background checks on all gun sales and transactions banning quote-unquote dangerous weapons and accessories limiting handgun sales to one a month requiring lost or stolen firearms to re be reported to police within 24 hours allowing extreme risk protection orders so red flag laws barring people under final protective orders from having guns making it illegal to recklessly have loaded, unsecured firearms around children under 18, and letting localities regulate whether guns are allowed in government buildings. So they're hoping to enact these laws in January, but uh, as a result, a lot of sanctuary studies have been popping up. Um, and we'll put a, put a link to this article in the, in the show notes, but it shows, a, the article specifically shows a map of the, the state of Virginia, and the green shows all of the quote-unquote sanctuary cities that are fighting for their second constitutional amendment rights. And uh, it's it's kind of comical to look at. It's like 90% green, so 90% sanctuary cities. So despite what the media is telling you, there are people out there fighting for our constitutional right to bear firearms. And uh, apparently the words shall not be infringed mean something different to other people, but that's what our constitution says, and that's the way I like to keep it. So. <laughs> It's, it sounds vague. I bet you could pick out where the cities are, judging by where the black dots are. But yeah, it's, yep, uh, exactly. it definitely seems to be a, a city country thing for sure. But it sounds awfully familiar, though, doesn't it, Colin, compared to uh, our Canada thing? With the, they're talking yeah. about doing it in January as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah. Not a good situation. But nice to see there's people out there fighting for us. So, Well, it just drives me nuts with these nebulous terms like, you know, dangerous weapons or uh, assault-style military weapons and stuff but there's just no end to it it's just uh yeah. it's way too open-ended for my liking and uh, it's not going to affect the crime rate at all so exactly you give them inch they're going to take a mile and that's exactly what's going to happen so yeah anyway hopefully we'll see some uh, some happier endings with uh, those stories for sure but uh, hope so. i guess uh we'll have to move on to what we've done lately for preps mm -hmm. so i can easily say that eric's been busy changing diapers and mentally adapting to his ever-changing life so mm -hmm. he's gonna be a little bit late tonight and as for myself, I've done absolutely nothing. So, um, yeah, I've been busy with the uh, the busiest work season 
work time of the year for me. It's the busiest uh, season for us. So I've been gone quite a ways, uh, quite a bit from home. So other than that, other than my podcast prep, that's pretty much all I've done. So Nothing wrong with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, for me, I added a lifelong partner to my survival group. <laughs> so uh, as you guys heard on the last podcast, appreciate the, the shout out too. I got married uh, just a few days ago or about, about a week ago now. So um, took a few weeks off work around the holidays here. So I've got some free time. I've been working on renovating the basement of the house and that's been a, a rather large job. Uh, got concrete down there. So we pulled up the carpet and been sanding that and cleaning everything up and we're going to refinish the concrete and painting all the walls. And, uh, so that's been a big job, but, uh, have been taking time off to also do some vehicle maintenance. Uh, like you guys touched on last ep- or last podcast episode, uh, got the car all washed up, got the truck all washed up, cleaned out the inside. Um, changed oil, rotated tires on the car, and I've been getting ready to do uh, pretty big jobs on the truck. Uh, I've been getting parts for rebuilding the front end and and redoing tie rods and all that fun stuff. Uh, Spark plugs, wires, throttle position sensor, got to redo the exhaust, oil change, um, all that fun stuff on the truck, and I'm not looking forward to it because it's kind of a rust bucket, (laughs) and those are never fun to work on. Um, they, They use a lot of road salt around here, so most vehicles are just rusted out to nothing. Um, you guys, I don't know. You guys use road salt up there at all, or? Oh yeah, it depends. Oh, yeah. It depends on the part of the country, but the vast majority of the country, absolutely yes. And the funny thing is, because just like you guys, we had a big automotive industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was some built-in obsolescence uh, with that design because you know using lots of salt on the roads. Ten years later, you need a new vehicle. Yeah, job creation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would say ten years is generous. <laughs> usually, yeah. usually after ten years in the salt, there's not much left of them. But what do you do? I guess it is what it is. <laughs> Well, especially when they want to keep these busy highways open, like especially yeah. the series highways in Ontario, and there's certain parts of uh, Alberta where they have to, you know, salt the living daylights out of the road in order to keep them open because just right. huge volumes of traffic they have to deal with. Right. Nobody wants to slow down, so that's what you got to do, I guess. <clears throat> Heaven forbid you drive defensively, right? Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's about all for me. Cool. Cool. Well, uh, I guess for uh, prep for myself lately, my truck is just about at a hundred thousand K. So I just had it checked over. Everything was good. Got an oil change, tire rotation, all that good stuff and fixed a couple little things that were wrong with it. No big deal. My Dodge has been pretty good to me. And, uh, as well, it's uh, winter time, which is normally liquor season. So, uh, essentially I've been, uh, getting ready to make some more beer, um, some wine and, uh, also a little bit of sugar shine, not so much for consuming but for building other things and uh, a lot of reloading um, no one likes shooting outside in the winter when it's uh, you know minus 20 minus 40 so I like to do a lot of my uh, case prep case cleaning reloading I just finished about 4,000 rounds of 9 mil a uh, few hundred of 308 I'm about to start 223 soon and right now I'm rolling up some 50 <laughs> nice can you ever really have too much reloading done? I mean, it's uh, that's my season too. It's like it's the wet and gross season. I don't want to be outside, so I just go into the shed and reload for a podcast. Well, <laughs> exactly. Well, not only that, but I mean, when it comes to uh, you know, in the state, different, but in Canada, uh, we're kind of the the small fry here. So um, when it comes to a lot of reloading components, the United States gets first pick, and if they're at war or something they pretty much shut the door to Canada. So when we got good reloading supplies, we stock up, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, I try and reload 
twice. It's like firewood for me. I try and reload twice as much as I think I'm going to need for the year. And then when I get down to about, uh, you know, half of my stock, I start to panic and look for more stuff. So, well, back in the Obama years when they had that big firearm scare and everybody's buying up everything from 22 onwards, oh. you know, just hoarding it all, reloading components were just gone, right? Mm hmm. It, that's why I was trying to get into reloading back then, and I was like, "Well, this is crazy because I can't find anything. Couldn't even get primers. Couldn't get anything powder. Like getting yeah. a pound of powder was a big deal." And you yeah. couldn't even buy a box of twenty-two long rifle off the shelf here in the states. You had to be there the morning that the shipment came in; otherwise, <laughs> it was all gone. So it yeah, was cr it's crazy. And you know, up here in Canada, if they want to uh, enact all these crazy gun laws, they don't even really have to touch the guns; they just have to affect the uh, the import of all these right. reloading components up to us because mm -hmm. you know the stuff that's sitting on the shelves only lasts so long as soon as there's a panic everyone runs out and buys it so right. i just finished purchasing 35 pounds worth of powder for my 50 you know because uh it can be scarce sometimes mm -hmm. yep yeah or just stopped altogether right because it's a specific it's usually a specific powder for that and anyway uh, yeah, so hey, Blizzard FPV on the uh, YouTube comments, he mentioned that he's got his perimeter fence and motion lights active, so he's one up on me, that's for sure. No robotics entries yet, though, I guess. And that's pretty much it for YouTube comments right now, except for, yep, that me says, uh, howdy. And that's pretty much it. So, the main topic time, guys. So, uh, yeah, so we're talking about uh, mental aspects of preparedness, so it's something that's like not often discussed, because it's not as tactical as a lot of other stuff, but... Mm -hmm. It's something that doesn't cost a lot to uh, to work on, and uh, you know, like mental preps are free, but actual preps aren't. So, uh, actually, I read something on a billboard this morning. I was coming to work. It was kind of funny. It says, "Preparedness is the natural enemy of fear," which I thought was, that was a pretty good one, actually. It's too bad it was for something completely different, but. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so under the rule of three, we talk about uh, rules of three with preparedness. So there's like uh, you know, three weeks without food, three days without water, you know, three minutes without air, but. Uh, the one catchphrase was always three seconds without hope. So uh, I guess uh, in most emergency situations, if you do give up, usually things fall apart soon thereafter, right? Yep. And uh, like he, my wife was actually talking about a book she just recently read. She's going to give me the title. I'll put in the show notes here at the end of the show. But uh, she was telling me about a book that basically it was a first-person account of the Holocaust. And what would happen is these people would be sitting there in the camp. They'd have their last smoke and say, well, that's it for me. And the next day they just wake up dead. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you know, there's nothing physically different than the previous day, but they just kind of gave up. And it's just amazing how that can affect the body's physio uh, physiology. Yep. So. If you want to survive, you need the will to survive. That's the first and most important thing. <laughs> well, I think it comes into play with any illness or anything else too, right? Like I think yeah. mental, mental stuff is half the battle, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. <clears throat> you know, a lot, a lot of times uh, when it comes to that, rough, uh, you guys of, feel free to hop in. It's kind of like a uh, hypothermia, you know, it, when people get really, really cold and they start to get into the stage of hypothermia, uh, what they naturally want to do is they want to just kind of shut down mentally and they physically they stop moving and they just kind of curl up. But, you know, we both know that uh, to survive hypothermia, you have to do what's completely unnatural. You have to start moving around and doing stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I think a lot of survival is based around doing what is completely unnatural. Right. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's not a uh, it's not an easy thing to do to overcome that inertia, I guess, when you first start out, or the overcome the initial shock, right? 
I mean, uh, I should just talk about it uh, in backwards order what I had written down here. But usually when something comes up, you get the uh, fight or flight reflex. Some people get the freeze reflex. Um, mm -hmm. So people have different reactions to emergencies. So when they do come up, I mean, as a, hopefully somebody that's done some work ahead of time, it's a chance to demonstrate your leadership skills. Um, have you guys heard of the OODA loop before? Oh, no, I haven't heard that. No. no. Yeah, so it's actually something that comes up, comes up with a few other guys that uh, teach, uh, I guess, uh, stress inoculation, for lack of a better term. So the OODA loop, uh, it's O-O-D-A, stands for Observe, Orient, Decide, and Act. So I put a link in the show notes as well, but basically what it boils down to is when you see something going on, you have to figure out what you can do, decide what to do, and then work on it, and then, of course, reevaluate, come back to the beginning, and see if the, how that's changed your... Uh, your situation like I, I was trying to think of a good example so it's it's a big giant one but so you have a big giant tidal wave coming towards your house uh, so you, you've observed that and so orienting yourself you can decide do you, do you want to go downhill towards the ocean or do you want to go uphill away from the wave well then obviously you know which way you're going to go so you decide mm -hmm. that you're going to go uphill you act upon it and grab everybody and start working your way uphill and then after you've you know gone uphill away you start over again and observe again so that's why they call it OODA loop so you just keep going around and around mm -hmm. um can cause some people to freeze up and not do anything at all because they can't make a decision, but at least it's a good way to start. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's something, especially, I don't know, friends I have or people in my generation struggle with it. Nobody seems to have the ability to problem solve or overcome challenges anymore. Cause help is always just a phone call away. If your car breaks down on the side of the road, all you have to do is call for help. You don't need to sit there and try to troubleshoot or figure out what's going on or change your tire or whatever it might be. You just call for help to kind of give up right there. Um, and I think that's something that we <laughs> we as a society are, are going to continue to struggle with because we are so interconnected with technology. Um, help is always right there until one day it's not or until sometime it's not or whatever the circumstance may be. So, Well, I think it's easy to do too, right? Like if you have a problem that comes up, a lot of people, it, it's very, very common to hear it. it is what it is today, which, right. uh, which is my favorite or least favorite expression anyway, uh, because it basically just means you've given up. You, you're not going to try and address the problem or do whatever. It's just you, you're just stopped. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, that's kind of my pet peeve when I hear that, especially at work. It's like, you can't just say it is what it is. You got to like do something about it or <laughs> at least figure out what you can do about it. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of what's the use, the resignation kind of uh, aspect. It's it's not a good thing. So I mean, I call them roadblocks. You know, you shouldn't put up roadblocks in your life. Try and call them what they are and address them and see if there's anything you can do about that. I guess yeah. that's pretty much all. We live in a society of convenience too. You know, like uh, how many kids you know how to know how to make popcorn using just a pot and some oil? You know, like, right? We have microwave popcorn now. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most people get upset when they've got to wait 30 seconds for their Netflix to load, but they don't, I mean, internet 10 years ago, you know, not even that long ago was dial up and it's just things have advanced so quickly and so fastly that I don't think we've completely adapted <laughs> as people <clears throat> or found ways, found ways to cope with it or whatever that might be, but. I remember when the uh, the pre-made aluminum foil packs of popcorn was the latest and greatest thing. You still had to put that on a burner, but the microwave took it to the next level, and it's, it's even going right. faster. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, uh, the thing I want to talk about too quickly with the uh, mental aspects of preparedness was procrastination, because I think we're all guilty of that at some point. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of an ongoing thing with myself. Like uh, We talked about getting our ham licenses early on in the podcast. I still haven't got mine yet, so totally admit I've been putting that one off. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, yeah. So, go ahead. 
I think, yeah, I think as you, you know, speaking from somebody who has just within the last few years gotten into preparedness, it is, especially with all the podcasts and videos now that you can listen to, things seem very overwhelming. It seems like there is a million things to do, but uh, just realize the world's probably not going to end tomorrow. Um, time should hopefully be on your side and, and just getting a list of things to do or upcoming events. Um, that's going to significantly minimize that, that feeling of being overwhelmed. Um, plan things out. Uh, I had a good quote from Eisenhower. Plans are worthless, but planning is everything. So, so be ready for plans to change and things to adapt as, as you go along. But, but knowing what you're going to do next or what you're going to do for the next few days or what you're going to do for the next few months, how you're going to budget your income, those things are going to be, be important in whether or not you're successful in, in preparedness and, you know, getting ready for things. So, yeah, I think it's with a, a lot. Of, oh, go ahead, Nicole. I was going to say it's it's important to realize that perhaps the world isn't going to end tomorrow, but it's also the biggest evil out there to think that there's always a tomorrow. Exactly, and, yep. and that's not always true. I mean, that's not the case for people who experience ice storms and earthquakes, and hurricanes, and and all that stuff. But you know, preparedness doesn't have to be overwhelming. It could just be a little bit at a time. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. You know, like I'm, I'm not sitting down and reloading 10,000 rounds in one day. It's, <laughs> you know, I'll do a little bit here and a little bit there, you know. Yep. Uh, in stages, like I, uh, one of my two favorite expressions, eat the elephant. Uh, how do you eat an elephant? You eat it one bite at a time, right? So you might have, you know, 4,000 rounds of nine to do, but you're not going to do it all in a day. So you're going to have like clean brass one day and then you're going to resize and so on and so on. And it, uh, <laughs> break up into manageable pieces, it's a lot more easy to handle because, for people getting started in preparedness as well, it's a lot to do, right? Right. And you guys mentioned that, uh, you know, like can be a little overwhelming for sure, but um, yeah, just uh, one, one little piece of time and it'll work out fine. Mm -hmm. I think it could fit into everyday life, you know, a little bit at a time, like everyone's out cleaning their car at some point or fueling it up, you know, preparedness can even be something like grabbing an extra jug of washer fluid. Even though you might not need it, you'll need it. You know, you know it's January. You know it's going to be ice storm season. So stock up on that stuff. You know. Yep. Nope, for sure. That's uh, that's one of those things. And you know, like whether there's a lot of stuff you don't want to do, but you know, you have to take care of it. Whether it be like water supplies or anything else. Just uh, another one of my expressions was eat the frog. I mean, uh, if you do the least uh, desirable thing first and that takes care of like a lot of your preps so then you can work your stuff that you really want to do like reloading or going out and shopping for the latest and greatest rifle i mean that's that's more fun stuff to do right. um but yeah try and do the, <clears throat> the difficult stuff first i guess that's one way to overcome a bit of that too mm -hmm. yeah it's easy to make time for the fun stuff but not so easy to make time for the not fun stuff <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean that's where the apathy aspect comes into the preparedness too is like and we all, I think, suffer from that once in a while, too, because, I mean, if you don't care about certain aspects of preparedness because it's just not cool enough or it's not enjoyable enough, it can kill you long term, too, if you don't have enough water stored or, you know, something that critical that you needed, whether it be insulin for diabetics or, mm -hmm. you know, first aid supplies, heart medication. I mean, uh, if you just can't be bothered to go out and get that ahead of time, then that can certainly hurt you in the long run, right? Right. Absolutely. <clears> 100%. <throat> I just stocked up on insulin today. So, actually, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Um, it's temperature sensitive too, right? They say it is, but I mean, when I pull out a pen of uh, Humalog, I might have it out of the fridge for you know a couple of weeks till I use it up. But for long term oh, nice. storage, definitely, uh, 
keep it uh, in the fridge. But I'm sure as long as it's out of direct sunlight, out of the heat and stuff like that, it's room temperature is not bad. Oh. <clears throat> but th that's another thing is uh, no one ever wants to stock up on first aid supplies until it's too late, you know. But almost I can guarantee about every probably second time I'm at the range, I'm handing out Band-Aids to someone that got a slide bite or something. They've burnt their hand right. on a barrel or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, being prepared ahead of time definitely helps. Absolutely. Well, yes, it's not as, as like I said, uh, not as appealing as other aspects of preparedness, but you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, it's just uh, even getting uh, courses done ahead of time, first aid courses or whatever, it's like there's no time to take a first aid course when somebody's bleeding out in front of you. So, I mean, <laughs> I think as Alan here put in the notes too, is like knowledge is your greatest asset. So, uh, you know, if you can get all the as much knowledge as possible before anything goes haywire, it's always a good plan. Mm -hmm. You know what, though, uh, my uh, kids are at that age where they're, um, you know, in college and out in the workforce and stuff. And I insisted that my oldest daughter got her uh, restricted firearms license for the simple reason that any employer who looks at an application and knows could look at an RPAL holder and they know that there's a criminal background checked on them daily. So they know that applicant is more reliable of a person mm -hmm. and has taken the time to prepare themselves for safety and, and all that stuff. So, I mean, if I was an employer, I would be looking at that saying, wow, that kid has first aid level C and they have their RPAL license. Awesome. How many other teenagers have that? Not very many. So, well, yeah, because I mean, you're more heavily vetted than a police officer in Canada to get your RPAL, right? So, uh, it's, that's huge. Well, it's uh, more security screening than the Privy Council of Canada. <laughs> and can you describe for our American listeners, what, what half of our listeners are American, so can, can you describe the Privy Council there? <coughs> well, <laughs> it's pretty it's high up like, in, the, in the government. Yeah, but. It's kind of like the inner circle of government, basically. And <clears throat> Yeah, it's uh, pretty high up anyway. Okay, so uh, yeah, I was going to say the, the one thing with preparedness too, when something comes up like this, it's going to reduce or it's going to create a lot of stress um, with most people. So Tyler, you had a list of things to talk about stress too, right? Yeah, just uh, so we talked about planning for, you know, speaking personally, that for me is the best way that I reduce stress is just knowing what to expect the next couple days. Obviously, emergencies come up and you can't plan for those. That's why we prep. But, but for me, planning is, is probably my biggest stress reliever. Other easy free ways um, that don't require anything really. Uh, eating healthier, not that hard to do. Exercise, exercising is probably the biggest stress reducer. If you are stressed, exercise, you will feel better. It's that simple. Uh, meditation, uh, something that I probably need to work on. I've tried it a few times. It's, it's difficult, I'll admit that. But it is supposed to be really good for, for stress relief. Um, get an adequate number, you know, hours of sleep every night. Um, sleep is vital. So don't, don't be running on sleep deprivation because it's not good. Read books, uh, watch TV. If there's still electricity, relax. Um, all those things are going to help reduce stress. So, well, I think sleep, uh, sleep deficits are cumulative too, right? Like if you miss a couple hours of sleep and you know, you get eight hours the next day or whatever, and you think you're fine, you're actually still short on sleep. You have to mm -hmm. actually play catch up long term if you're really short yep. on sleep, but yeah, it's, it's a bit of a problem. Big time. Yep, I'm doing that right now with some time off work. I usually get up at 4 a.m., and I don't think I've woke up before 9 o'clock the last uh, two weeks or a week and a half. It's been great. <laughs> yeah. So, 
yeah, I can tell you firsthand just from the last week and a half that uh, getting an adequate amount of sleep is is crucial and in, in how you feel and your mood overall and your general happiness and everything else. And I would say exercise is probably right there behind it. Um, is that because of the uh, dopamine effect? Uh, is that what you're saying for making you feel better or less stressed? As far as exercise goes, yes. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. As far as sleep goes, I think sleep's obviously important for everything. <laughs> but, uh, it's a good way to rid your body of cortisol, too. I think okay. another thing that's uh, also important, you know, especially in an emergency situation, is a communications plan. Oh, and yeah. The ability right. to speak to other people is paramount. I mean, last year, around this time of year, actually, we had a power outage in uh, Pembroke with a very similar situation. And uh, I don't know how many of you guys out there have uh, these kind of radios. Uh, this is a Baofang, 5 watt. And uh, I went out and bought a little bit of an extra long antenna so I could receive in, um, a little bit better. But, you know, I have mine always set to the uh, to the police scanner. It's not encrypted here, the, uh, uh, here in Pembroke. So, I, you know, I don't watch TV. I listen to the police scanner for entertainment. And uh, when the power went out, it was kind of interesting that I was able to talk to someone uh, about a 20-minute drive away and he was trying to relay a message to someone out in Petawawa and I ended up being a relay station between the two of them and you know what just the ability to sit there and uh, talk between two other guys and be able to communicate hey do you have power yet no how about you well yeah I got power 20 minutes ago you know it just helps you realize you're not alone and also, mm-hmm. if you're really getting a pickle, you can talk to someone else. I also take it when I go on my, out on my uh, out on my do because I can listen to the weather station. Or if I'm really in a bind, I can get on that channel and uh, call someone for help. As well as listen to some FM radio when I'm sitting on the beach, drinking a pint. Dual purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I should say hi to Angela, who's listening on Facebook tonight. Hi, Angela. Um, yeah, so intelligence gathering yeah like you just mentioned so i mean you're listening on the radio you don't even have to transmit so um <laughs> as long as if you don't have a hand license you can still listen you just can't transmit right so you can use it as a scanner aspect and mm-hmm. knowing what's going well, on it's half the battle to reducing well, stress too right absolutely. i think anything eight watts or lower you don't require a license for uh well it depends on the frequency band too right like the ham radio frequencies you, you have a bit of an issue too so but i mean yeah you can listen in on, on tons of stuff too but even the fm aspect is pretty nice to have mm-hmm yeah, for sure. So, uh, let's see here. That's pretty much all I had for this uh, this little episode. It's a bit of a tiny one tonight. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Colin, or I guess my turn, huh? <clears throat> yeah. All righty. Um, to add. Okay, uh, I guess I won't go too into the sticks on it, but uh, I think just speaking from a younger person's standpoint that the everyone gets a trophy mentality is seriously damaging our youth and you know, our capabilities as a, as a younger society to, to adapt and overcome and, and just be intermingled with the rest of the world. Um, kids are not learning how to take no for an answer and they don't know how to accept loss when, when you're, when you never lose until you get out of high school or college. Um, yeah. When you're 24 years old and you're at your first job and, and you know, you don't understand or learn how to overcome things or accept losses, that's going to be difficult for you. Um, and, and kids aren't more importantly, they're not learning the importance of hard work. Uh, why are you going to train harder when everyone gets the same ribbon at the end of the race? Um, <clears throat> and I guess kind of, kind of going even a little further on that is um, the younger generation, 
needs to put down their phones, put down their technology, get out in the world, find something productive to be passionate about and go and do it. Um, just the satisfaction that you get from thinking of a job, um, going out, starting it and taking it all the way to the end, whether that's building a chicken coop, putting up a fence, starting a garden, making a video of how to do this or that or the next thing. That brings a lot of joy into life. And I feel like a lot of people nowadays are lacking that. Um, and they're trying to fill that void with technology and TV shows and Netflix and this and that. And it's just not the same thing. Um, you don't get that satisfaction, that fulfillment out of life uh, trying to do that. So um, I guess those are my words of wisdom. Actually, you're really good point there about kids don't know how to take no for an answer or how to accept loss. Like, I mean, I think in North America, we've been kind of like artificially sheltered with a lot of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And just being sheltered from the rest of the world, um, you know, take, take a few minutes to appreciate what you do have in life. When you compare your life to Kim Kardashian, yeah, it's going to look crappy and boring. But when you take a farther step back and look at the rest of the world, chances are everyone listening to this podcast has running water. They have electricity. Obviously, if they're listening on a smartphone or whatever it might be, um, you probably got a roof over your head. You probably got food in the fridge. You're already at such an advantage to the rest of the world. So be thankful for that. And and that should make you happy because you're truly blessed because of that. Um, yeah. You know, uh, things were kind of different back in uh, around the time of the Industrial Revolution. Mm -hmm. um, the Industrial Revolution brought about certain laws to protect children uh, because, you know, kids were... You know, prior to that time, children were treated like young adults. Mm -hmm. From the time that they could walk, they were raised to be young adults, not children. Right. You know, so there's a, been a big change in the shift in the way we view our own children and how Absolutely. we prepare them for the world, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Instead of, like you're saying, raising them in a bubble like it's a Disney princess life, only to realize when they're 18 that there's all these stressors out there like bills and responsibilities and really tough decisions to make and the reality that life isn't fair. Yep. You know, those are, those are things that should be instilled in young, young adults, you know, from a young age. Well, yeah, the vast, yep. vast majority yep. of kids have both parents live to their adulthood, right? Whereas, you know, before or, you know, European countries in the nineties and everything else, like losing parents uh, to war or, you know, or famine in <clears> the world and everything else, not unusual. Whereas us, it's, it's completely uh, outlier event. Right. So, uh, Right. But there's still a lot of families out there raising kids without a father figure. Um, divorce rates are at an all-time high by far. And, and Oh, that's still, yeah, that is a thing too. But that also increases <laughs> a lot of other social problems. We won't get into that right now. <laughs> well, you know yeah. what they say, tough times breed tough men, or at least we'd yep. say in Canada, tough people kind, I guess. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And it takes a man to raise a boy and to become a man, you know, and, and I feel like there's a lot a lot of fathers out there lacking, lacking that role or, or not fulfilling that role. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a common thread amongst all these people that tend to go uh, haywire, uh, not just in the States, but in Canada as well. There's usually a missing father figure. It's usually a uh, dependence on antipsychotics and everything else because they can't handle the stress right. um, and or don't have any coping mechanisms instilled into them when they're young, right? Exactly, and yep. I, I do agree with you, too, that this the whole... Uh, what do you call it? Participation badges and stuff. It is not taught kids nowadays how to deal with stressors or losses or, hey, losing your job. What do you mean I'm fired? Yep. You can't fire me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm 17. <laughs> yep. so, it's just post, yeah, it's postpone, postponing that temp, you know, temper tantrum or whatever it might be or that mental breakdown. It's just pushing that 
farther back into their lives and it, it's not a good way to go about it. <clears throat> it's just a part of building mental resiliency. And that's, exactly. a, big, that's a big part of survival is mm -hmm. constantly pushing your comfort zone and uh, your level of resiliency by subduing, you're subjecting yourself to more and more stress and more and more challenges in life, right? Right. Yeah, cool. I was going to mention to people if they wanted to look at a couple more things on how to deal with stress or uh, leadership and or even, uh, you know, more inspiration on the mental game. Uh, the Jocko podcast, if you guys ever listen to that one, there's videos online on YouTube as well. Uh, he's a former Navy SEAL, uh, Jocko Willink, and he, uh, if you can imagine Tony Robbins getting crushed together with Rambo, it's kind of like that's where the two kind of meet. Uh, very easy listening. He's got a couple a couple good books out as well. Uh, Discipline equals freedom, and I think uh, can't remember the other leadership one he had, but it's a uh, yeah, really good reading and, and really good uh, stuff to watch uh, on a daily basis almost. And I think also the uh, YouTube channel Bear Independent. He's got a couple good uh, food for thought videos. But uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, if they want something more to listen to, sure. Get anything else? No, I got nothing. <clears throat> Well, when it comes to survival, you can't you can't rely on anyone else. You have to be able to rely on yourself first before you can help someone else. So that's fair for sure. So this brings us to a podcast challenge. Uh, so for a podcast challenge, I was trying to think of something that would come into play with the mental aspect and under the uh, banner of procrastination. So uh, maybe just take a moment for everybody to self evaluate and come up with one thing you've put off for way too long. And maybe make a vow to complete it by National Preparedness Week in May. So it gives you lots of time to get it done, myself included. I'm going to try and get my hand license done by then. So, uh, yeah, if you want to email us and let us know what you've kind of, you know, decided to do. And if you uh, complete it on time, that'd be great. We'd love to hear about it. Mm -hmm. So uh, as far as closing off the episode here, it's got some upcoming events. Uh, got the podcast for Charity Shoot coming up again, uh, hosted by Slam Fire Radio, July 4th, 2020 in Belmore, New Brunswick, which is the Restigouche Gun Club. Camping will be available in a nearby town called Dalhousie. There'll be uh, some shooting events and a Stop the Bleed course uh, hosted by Gavin from Patriot Podcast. And I'm uh, still waiting to hear from back from the charity on that one. And uh, let's see here. Colin, uh, can you handle that annual purpose meet? Sorry? Oh, uh, again? the annual purpose meet. Can you handle that one? Annual purpose meet. Oh, no, you don't have that in front of you? Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the show notes in front of me. Uh, it's all good. So the annual preppers meet is on the second week of July in Desborough, Ontario. Um, this is going to be a meetup for like-minded people, uh, all sorts of skills being discussed and some radio work and some other stuff. And then the last thing we were going to mention was emergency preparedness week, which is May 3rd to 9th. Um, yeah. So hopefully you have your uh, podcast challenge done by then. Anything for you at all, uh, Tyler? Uh, nothing as far as upcoming events. No. <clears throat> all right. Some shout outs. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I guess myself. I got uh, one for Mike and Paul from the Fog Life podcast. They just started up a new one. They're two episodes in. Um, it's basically a East Coast, like Newfoundland-based, uh, firearms-friendly podcast. It's always good to hear uh, you guys starting up. There's room for all of us on uh, the internet for sure. They're available on iTunes, and they also have a Facebook page. Nice. Yeah, I'll just give a quick shout-out to my family and friends, especially the new acquired in-laws. So with the wedding and Christmas, uh, you know, in the past week or so, um, getting together with a lot of family and been telling them what I've been up to, letting them know about the podcast here and everything. And I've had quite a few family members and friends that have uh, started tuning in 
to uh, at least the recent episodes. And uh, as a result, they're starting to come around to the idea of prepping and uh, recognize the importance of preparedness. So um, at the end of the day, that's kind of my ultimate goal with coming on here and doing that is to get, you know, the ones that I care about more interested in it. So it's nice to hear. So shout out to all my friends and family. <clears throat> cool. Uh, Colin, you got anybody? Uh, my fiance Tracy, uh, she's watching tonight. So, uh, you know, uh, you're a big source of my inspiration. Uh, whenever I'm feeling like procrastinating, she usually kicks my ass and gets me moving in the right direction. So right on, we'll, <laughs> we'll keep working on things and, uh, you know, we can evolve, uh, every single day. So, uh, yeah, shout out to my fiance. Well, if there's one lady we can all agree that definitely has her stuff together, it's Tracy. She's awesome. So, yeah. she uh, she the sure. one just tuning in on the live comments there, Tracy. Oh, you guys read that? Yeah. Oh, hey Tracy. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, actually Tracy, good good suggestion. Uh, so Tracy put out a three letter challenge here about uh, three weeks ago regarding uh, sending three letters: one to the prime minister, one to the minister of uh, public safety and security, and one to your local MP regarding the upcoming firearms legislation they're proposing. Make sure you send it for free to your uh, the three people there because it doesn't cost anything to send anything to government officials. Uh, there are some talking points available on the CCFR website that will um, give you some idea of what you want to mention, but basically state your displeasure with what they're trying to propose, which is a pretty much a ban on the vast majority of firearms that most of us enjoy. So, uh, yeah. Thanks, Tracy, 100, for that one. 100%. Yeah. Fired so, mine off uh, last week. Oh, hey. Hey. There you go. You just I made it. <laughs> well... Almost. <laughs> kind of, sort of. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, we're just going into the iTunes reviews. Uh, let's see, you want to handle the one from RYJ, Eric? Uh, sure, if I can, you know, if I can catch up here. I'm just loading the, the notes up. You can always introduce yourself, too. I, I could, yeah. I think people kind of know who I am now, but uh, I, I'm that guy who shows up late and never talks about anything. Well, that, actually, while we always circle back, I mean, we, you can do some fancy editing if you want to talk about some uh, aspects of mental preparedness or anything, or do you, do you have yeah. the show notes in there? Hey, you know what? I, uh, I'm caught up to the iTunes review, so I can read that one now. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so uh, there's some good points uh, made in this video, uh, part about uh, pfddrive.com, what a fantastic place that I never knew existed. However, I do have to disagree with the part about the uh, code reader. While, yes, it can be handy to have one, they do not com uh, compare to professional-level scan tool in the least. Uh, they don't uh, tell you what is wrong. A code reader is like having a bad map and no compass. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a fair statement. I mean, I've yeah. only ever seen professional ones at work, so, I mean, yeah. uh, if, the, if the private ones don't work as well. Yeah, okay. and the one I've got tells me what's wrong, so. Yeah. yeah. Mine was also seventy dollars from Harbor Freight, so I don't expect it to do what the what the three, four, five thousand dollars snap on one does. No. <laughs> that's okay. At least it gives you somewhere to start. Exactly, that's what it is. Yeah, well, that's pretty much it. So it's up to you, Eric. Oh, cool! So I came in right at the last uh, last second. Hey, eh? look at that. <laughs> so I guess um. I'll bring the episode to a close. Number uh, four day to the Canadian Prepper Podcast. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out. Take a few minutes, submit a review. Uh, it helps uh, other people find us. You can also find us at uh, prepperpodcast.ca and, of course, on Facebook. All right. We record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, if you want to really peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click on the notifications tab. It gives you alerts when we're going live. We can also be found on our Facebook page, which is, which is Canadian Prepper Podcast. And you can contact Alan directly at Instagram at PPSWO.
And if you have any questions or advice for me, you can email into the show at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Uh, Colin? Yeah, if, uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can always uh, email me at colin at canadianvets.org or uh, Instagram, uh, cjsaunders11, look me up there. Or if uh, you want to look at my veteran advocacy page, uh, you can look, uh, just uh, do a search for Colin Saunders under, uh, I have a public profile page there, and go check it out there. All righty. Uh, so if you want to get a hold of me, you can reach Ian directly by emailing me, emailing me at theeditorretreat at gmail.com. You can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast, also available on iTunes and YouTube. There you can find us discussing more government waste, squirreling off on the odd firearms-related banter, and exposing the data freedoms we're facing. Awesome. And you can check out uh, Rapid Survival at uh, rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat while you're buying some prepper gear. You can also get a hold of me at uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. And, uh, thanks for joining us, and you can tune in for the next episode, and hopefully my uh, little guy will learn how to sleep before 9 o'clock, and I'll be on uh, in time for that episode. Uh, and we're going to be covering off uh, making uh, making booze in your house. Huh. Maybe I can feed that to the little guy, and then I'll sleep. I heard a little whiskey yeah. on the gums helps. Ah, yeah, maybe we'll give that a shot. <laughs> well, until next time, uh, be prepared, stay safe. And keep learning. <laughs> <laughs>